We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Stender, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. To share your thoughts about this podcast or others, please visit facebook.com slash jcastnetwork. I want to tell you about one of the most pious people that I ever met. Uh, he is not a rabbi, was not a rabbi, he's no longer alive, uh, was not a rabbi, was not a monk, was not a priest, um, uh, did not uh, uh, engage in regular practices of meditation or yoga or, 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 or deep immersive uh, text study. Uh, he was a, um, a, a, a millionaire. Uh, at uh, my previous congregation, Harzion Temple in, in Philadelphia, a past president of that congregation and a uh, regular participant and attender until the very last days of his life. He died when he was 92 or 93 years old a few years ago. Uh, his name was Ralph Snyder. Uh, he was, of all things, a lawyer. Uh, imagine that, a pious lawyer. Um, <laughs> but... Um, when you come out of rabbinical school, uh, you come out thinking that you know everything that there is to know about, uh, about Judaism and Jews. Uh, and so I approached that job, uh, and, uh, I, uh, went to, uh, Minyan and interacted with the Minionaires, taught about prayer, uh, and would frequently find myself in uh, disputes with Ralph about uh, the essence of prayer and the nature of God. And, you know, to me, I was like, I, I read Mordecai Kaplan. You know, I read Brad Artson. I read Harold Schulweiss. I read Louis Jacobs. I read all these people. I know a thing or two about God. But Ralph, who almost never missed a minion, would always challenge my my own challenges that I would raise about the nature of God and the re- relationship between God and prayer. Now, I had been trained in some ways, and in some ways I still believe um, that uh, that that at least an aspect of God is um, an impersonal uh, force in the universe and in, in the cosmos. I think that that uh, aligns. Uh, more neatly with uh, science and more neatly with uh, with uh, a, a reason-based understanding of the universe. Uh, and I think that there are uh, intellectual, philosophical challenges and problems uh, with, uh, with, with viewing uh, God as having personality uh, and uh, uh, what we would call classical theism, uh, which is belief in a God with personality, will, uh, that, uh, that, that acts and behaves in certain ways, uh, it's much more neat to think of God uh, in the language of Kaplan as the power that makes for salvation. And so I would often uh, have conversations with Ralph 
about uh, prayer in that context. And, and he would always push back saying, I don't know what you're talking about because the God that you're describing doesn't sound to me at all like the God that I understood from Judaism and not at all of, uh, as the God of my experience. So I said, well, tell me about the God of your experience. He said, oh, that's easy. God and I are friends. I talk to him every day. It took me a while to realize what a beautiful and profound and true expression Ralph was giving of, uh, of, of how to discern meaning in prayer and how to have a prayer life that, uh, that is moving and transformative and true. How many of us, I wonder, when we come to synagogue, when we encounter moments of prayer, how many of us relate to it as if we are having a conversation with an old friend? Face-to-face, interpersonal conversation with an old friend. And yet, that is precisely how our tradition establishes prayer. The quintessential prayer in our tradition is the Amidah, which we'll turn to in a few moments when we daven the Musaf Amidah. Uh, and the Amidah, we don't know exactly when it was composed, uh, but tradition holds that it was composed by a group of people that, that are called the Ansheik Knesset Habitullah, the, uh, the, the men or the people of the great assembly uh, who may have been uh, the religious leaders at the time of Ezra when the uh, Babylonian exiles were returning to Judah. And so we've had the prayers, at least the basic structure of uh, verbal prayer uh, since that time, since the Babylonian exile, uh, over 2,500 years. So we've had the Amidah or the basic kind of structure or outline of what the Amidah would look like for a pretty long time, uh, even by Jewish standards. And if you, I wonder how many of us have really paid close attention to what we say when we say the Amidah, or when we say other kinds of blessings that are based on the same structure of the Amidah. Because the Amidah, uh, in Hebrew, the language that we use is Baruch Atah Adonai. Blessed are you, God. We don't often stop to think about that, but I think that there's something profound about the uh, about the truth that we are taught, and we've been taught, and we've been doing by tradition for 2,500 years that we ought to address God in the second person, the second person singular. In other words, our tradition establishes that we are to have a conversation with God as if we are having a conversation with another person, another personality directly in front of us, face to face. The language doesn't work if we're addressing an impersonal force. The language doesn't work if we're addressing a personality that is indifferent or doesn't care about us and our condition. The language only works if we approach it with a mindset that we are actually addressing someone and that we're doing so in a direct encounter with that someone. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, that, that it, this doesn't necessarily impose a theology on any of us. This is one uh, approach to relating to God. But our tradition establishes prayer in that way. 
that prayer is most meaningful, prayer is most powerful, prayer is most real, when we encounter it as if we are having a conversation, engaged in real relationship with the divine. I love the way the Kabbalists put uh, put uh, their, their view of God. Said that there are really kind of two dimensions of God. There is God that is Ainsof, which is uh, eternal, infinite, unknowable. That, they said, is the God of the philosophers. Maybe rationally true, but it, it doesn't comport with our relationship with God, with our experience of God. So they said that the God of the world, the God of experience, is the God of the spherot, a God of virtues and values, of characteristics, of love and of justice, of splendor and beauty, of intellect. That's the God of experience. And that's the God our tradition establishes as the God of prayer. In our Torah portion this morning, we are presented with that paradigm. Judah, at the beginning of the portion, in continuation from last week's portion, Benjamin has been uh, um, uh, 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 caught as part of a ruse that Joseph devises, uh, and uh, Joseph threatens to put Benjamin in prison to keep Benjamin as his slave. Judah, in the previous Torah portion, had promised Jacob that if he were to allow Benjamin to be brought down to Egypt, Judah would personally take responsibility for him and that nothing would happen to him. And when this tragedy unfolds, Judah has a moment of truth. He has the opportunity either to say, well, that's tough luck for Benjamin, or to live up to the responsibility that he had promised to his father. And our hero in the story is Judah, who turns around on a, uh, on a, a trajectory of, 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 of sin and brotherly animosity, owning his responsibility, doing, as uh, I mentioned to our uh, Board of Governors on Tuesday night, doing tshuva, transforming his life in this moment of our Torah portion, when he argues for Benjamin's life, even saying, I'm going to put my life on the line for his. But the language that the Torah portion uses in describing the scene is really powerful. The beginning of the Parsha is, Judah approached him. The Hasidic tradition says that this Seen at the beginning of our Torah portion, where Judah approaches Joseph, where Judah beseeches Joseph, and Joseph is so overwhelmed by this encounter that he breaks down in tears and reveals himself to his brothers as who he truly is, their brother. And the Hasidic tradition looks at this scene in our Torah portion and sees in it a model of prayer. That Judah could have followed convention at the time, which is not approach the second in command to Pharaoh, to hold back, to grovel, and to address him in the third person, which is what you would have done to royalty at the time. But instead, Judah summons up some holy chutzpah, and he actually approaches Joseph. He doesn't know it's Joseph. He approaches Joseph and he speaks to him in the second person, relating it to him, panim al panim, face to face. And it's as, as another human being. 
as someone who cares about his condition, about his situation. As someone who cares about the condition and situation of the person he's addressing. And it's through the power of that encounter that all the walls break down and the brothers are reunited. And the Hasidic tradition says that is the possibility and the power of prayer. What our ancestors, the people of the great assembly established when they established the Amidah, Baruch Atad, or not, there's something really chutzpahdik about that formulation. That we, Ma'enosh Kitis Karenu, the Tanakh says, uh, who is a human being that uh, that 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 God should uh, should uh, pay attention to him or her, and our tradition says, despite that, we should say Baruch Ata Adonai. Blessed are you, God, that we should approach the moment of prayer as if we are speaking Panim al Panim, not to a far out there, far above, superior being, but rather to, as Ralph would say, an old friend that we are re-encountering for the first time. The Esh Kodesh, the Piazetzner Rebbe, the the rabbi of the Warsaw Ghetto, uh, talks about this, talks about this scene of Parshat Vayigash in the context of prayer. And he talks about it as prayer could be in one of two languages. It could be Lashon Nochach or Lashon Nistar. It could be in the language of encounter or it could be in the language of being hidden. It says the objective of prayer is to be in the language of encounter. And a dimension of God's love for us is that God wants us to approach God in the language of encounter. That God could have said, I'm too big and mighty and powerful for all of you. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. If you want to address me, address me in the third person. Address me with humility. Address me with distance. But our tradition doesn't believe that's how God wants to be addressed, at least not in the encounter of prayer. So the language of the encounter of prayer is second person. And what we or to take from that is what Talmud says, Rahmana Liba Bai, that what God most desires is the heart. Now it may be hard to pray like that all the time. And so the Piazetzna Rebbe says the following: he says that ideally you should approach prayer as Ralph Snyder did, always feeling like you are coming to talk to an old friend. But maybe you can't do that. And so you should hope for moments, at least. Be proud of moments where you can feel that way. He says, maybe you can't even have those moments. But here's what's enough. A sincere desire to approach prayer that way. And through uttering the words, even if you don't feel in that moment like you're having a face-to-face encounter. Through uttering the words, at some point, maybe only periodically, maybe only in, in intermittent instances in your life, your words will actually enter your own heart and arouse it to feel that you are in a face-to-face encounter with God, our old friend.
And so then the Pisistner says the following, that the only way to even do that, the only way to even have a moment where you can possibly feel that encounter, where you can possibly feel that relationship, you may not have it all the time. You may have it in, in, in spurts and moments. You may just desire to have it, and that's enough. But you can't have any of those things unless, vayigash, unless you approach. The approach is the essence of prayer. As we move toward the Amida in just a moment, let us hold in our hearts that kavanah, that the essence of prayer is the desire to approach, is stepping forward and opening up the conversation, opening up the dialogue, opening up your heart. In the words of the psalmist, Karov Adonai Lechol Korav. God is close to all who call upon God. But you see, the psalmist is being sly there because to say God is close to all who call upon God requires first a person to call upon God. And only through that approach, only through that desire, only through arousing in our hearts a yearning for relationship, for real connection with the divine, can we possibly approximate that closeness. Only when we approach with sincerity, with heart, and with love, just as Judah did, can the masks come off, can the walls break down, and a true embrace can be felt.